0: Welcome to Under the Pendulum. I'm Chris Weber. Here, as always, with my co-host, Heather Weber. Hello. And uh, Caitlin's making a transition to a studio job in LA, so until we get her setup settled, we'll be joined once again by the incomparable Emily Siebold.
1: Oh, I thank you. Hello. so good to be of there.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be uh, two for two on this one. This is going to be another pretty gruesome and uh, violent story. Hell yeah. And it's a long story, too, but... Um, Pretty much one that everybody knows in one way or another, um, but I thought it'd be cool to kind of go dive deep into it and, you know, tell some cool stories. So yeah, this episode, we'll be putting the gladiatorial games under the pendulum. Woo. So considered one of the most gruesome and ruthless exhibitions of violence and cruelty in history, the Roman gladiatorial games and events are among the most famous instances of mass murder for entertainment in history.
1: Which is why we patterned Western civilization on them. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So historians such as Michael Grant have likened the gladiatorial games and events to Nazi extermination procedures.
2: Whoa, whoa. Hey. Yeah, that's pretty
3: crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't lump us all in. Now, come on. All right. Oh. (laughs) I'm not Roman, so it's fine. Um, (laughs) And uh, they are indeed brutal. And we could just dismiss it as another case of, oh, those crazy Romans coming this Sunday to ABC. (laughs) But I think it is important to ask, you know, what did it mean to the Roman culture? Um, Many historians have tried to tackle this question, but without much knowledge of what the everyday Roman thought, or, you know, at least having it in their own words, uh, we have to look at the various cultural cues and signals um, that we find in things like graffiti, art, and contemporary and secondary writings. Uh, We generally know quite a bit more about the, uh, the elite of Rome as we have writings about them or directly from them but not a ton about the regular people. And if these games were for anyone, at the end of the day, it was the people. Uh, these games wouldn't really ramp up to the uh, infamous brutality that we know of today until the Age of Emperors, but there is still some fun along the way.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> so it didn't get bloody till they got dictators? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs>
0: got some bloody dictators. Some bloody yeah. dictator- <laughs> Thank you for bloody bringing di- me in tators. for the bloody dictators. <laughs> So uh, our modern sensibilities find it hard to fathom the monstrous scale and cruelty of the gladiatorial games. Uh, But we always must keep in mind that they are a product of their time and culture. And, you know, if we were to place ourselves in the shoes of a common Roman citizen, uh, we may very easily join in the blood revelry. Definitely. Oh, yeah everybody uh, it's like when people are like i wouldn't have been a nazi and it's like you probably would have you you know yeah
2: (laughs) well yeah everything's in perspective and you do have to put yourself in that time
0: yeah when you normalize these things you know i mean they are just that it's like a normal they're normal occurrences yeah Mm -hmm. especially
2: when it's marketed to
1: you
0: oh yeah very very heavily marketed yeah yeah. so another fascinating aspect that we'll uh, see is a connection that runs through from the time of the romans to our own times almost like ghosts of these traditions. Um, So on this episode, we'll lay out the possible origins of the gladiators, um, the earliest games, and then their vicious escalation into the things of legend and nightmares.
2: Like American gladiators, right?
0: I have nightmares about that. (laughs) Just no more strobe lights, please. Oh
2: my God, I can't take another mullet.
3: Oh yeah.
0: (laughs) So um, before we begin, let's um, acknowledge our sources. So our main source for this episode is the gladiators, history's most deadly sport. By Fickmayer. Fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A professor of ancient history at the University of Amsterdam. Uh, We'll also have some supplementary sources. Um, Another one would be a wonderful and amusing documentary by the late and great Terry Jones uh, called Gladiators. I would definitely check it out. It's just silly fun. And uh, then we'll also employ a host of primary and secondary sources. um, And we'll kind of introduce them as we go through the episode. Great. You guys ready? Sure am. All right. Yeah. It's going to be. I'm, Pull that blood in my mouth. This is going to be another <laughs> gruesome one. So
1: I'm all about it. <laughs> for the human sacrifice, for the gladiatorial games. Are we burning things next? <laughs> Ooh.
0: Mm. Yeah, and we'll also see some echoes of the human sacrifice stuff, too. So. Oh, yeah. So let's begin with the origins of the gladiators.
1: Really, it's just like really drawn out human sacrifices.
0: <laughs> it kind of, well, I'll get, yeah, I'll kind of explain more later, but it kind of loses that whole thing. You know, once it just it kind of becomes for entertainment. You know? Yeah. It's
2: the ritualistic aspect is kind of stripped.
0: Yeah. And you know, and there's always going to be a metaphorical undertone to almost everything they do. And we'll point those out as we go along, but yeah, it's always, it always kind of serves to. Like,
3: yeah, it really is. <laughs>
0: It's just like Rome is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's like basically the underlying theme.
2: Throw some lions at the crowd. Rome is awesome. <laughs> God, could you imagine wrangling those lions?
0: Just imagine like chariot racers like, you know, going just like chugging a beer and cracking them. <laughs> can on uh, a yeah.
1: So it's <laughs> like a monster truck rally with lions. That's what I heard. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, I guess that's not a bad way to put it.
1: It's like kinda like monster WWE fight. means monster truck well, rally. And, you know, and <laughs> and also, it's not a truck, it's an elephant.
0: Yeah, and think about how like modern day arenas are set up, you know, like, yeah? it's like or racetracks, you know, it's
2: Coliseum. You know,
0: well the Circus Maximus is essentially just a giant, you know, in the early days just a giant racetrack. Really? You and know? it's
1: like yeah. America is awesome, giant racetrack, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Love you, Dale. I'm happy. Dalias Okay, so anyway, um, we'll start with the origins of the gladiators.
1: I'm sorry,
2: it's
0: Dalias. <laughs> da- sorry. Sorry, my, my Latin's terrible. Um, <laughs> it will be. My Latin will be terrible. Um, Mine too. <laughs> so there is some debate on where the practice of gladiatorial fights originated from. Uh, The accepted theory is that the Romans adopted them from the Etruscans early in Rome's history. So the Etruscans were basically a large regional power in Italy between the 8th and 3rd century B.C., and they were renowned in the Mediterranean as traders. The Romans would adopt many Etruscan traditions and cultural characteristics. Uh, The Etruscan culture became assimilated or destroyed, some would say, uh, when Rome grew from a regional neighbor to the governing superpower. So this theory that the tradition of the gladiators comes from the Etruscans was accepted for so long because we don't have many writings from ancient sources that tell us for sure or otherwise. Uh, We only have a few mentions, and usually very briefly. Uh, The Greek writer Nicholas of Damascus, writing hundreds of years after the fact, uh, wrote this towards the latter half of the first century B.C. about the origins of the gladiators.
2: The Romans organized performances by gladiators, a habit they had acquired from the Etruscans, not only at festivals and in the theaters, but also at feasts. That is to say, certain people would frequently invite their friends for a meal and other pleasant pastimes, but in addition, there might be two or three pairs of gladiators. When everyone had had plenty to eat and drink, they called for the gladiators. The moment anyone's throat was cut, they clapped their hands with pleasure And it sometimes even turned out that someone had specified in his will that the most beautiful women he had purchased were to fight each other or someone else might have set down that two boys, his favorites, were to do so.
0: Just throwing dollar bills.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: that went like zero to Requiem for a Dream real fast.
0: You know, it's kind of crazy to hear about it, but it's like try to to imagine. Yeah, imagine you're at a dinner party and then it's like... (laughs) Yeah, ass to ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah,
1: imagine you're at a dinner party and then they're just like, so you're going to fight each other.
0: Yeah, dude. And we like, were just enjoying it. It's crazy. But so also to go. So along. you're all oh, coming
1: to my next dinner party, right? Definitely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I got two prime slaves.
1: Mm. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to make you fight each other. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do so, want to do that. I want to see Heather whoop your ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like
0: a fucking Amazonian just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to also go along with this Etruscan theory, the Christian writer uh, Tertullian, uh, who wrote around the second or third century AD, he hinted towards another Etruscan heritage.
2: A strikingly dressed figure of Charon, a god of hell, entered the arena along with the god Mercury. When the afternoon executions to accompany the bodies of the dead as they left the arena for the last time.
0: Uh, he had actually written that uh, this was actually a part of the this after the ceremony after the executions, like someone would come dressed like a uh, Charon or like Mercury and would kind of like you know go around and stuff. It was it was like very symbolic, but um,
2: more LARPing.
0: Yeah, but uh, so so
1: much LARPing. It is religion is LARPing. It is
0: it's just one big LARP. <laughs> Um, but Charon is, is, is referred to an Etruscan god. Um, so, you know, obviously we see these references in cues that point to an Etruscan origin. But there has been a theory put forth which postulates that it actually might have come from another area, uh, Lucania or Campania, uh, which is just south of Rome, kind of near the boot, kind of on the ankle of the peninsula. Oh,
3: yes. Campania.
1: is buckle. little buckle in the boot.
0: So archaeologists found frescoes in those areas dating back to the middle of the 4th century B.C., and they illustrate some features of something known as funeral games. Wow.
3: Yeah, this is pretty nice. cool, actually.
0: So funeral games are essentially kind of what they sound like. Uh, gladi- gladiators or you know slaves and stuff would fight to the death as part of the ceremony of a funeral. Uh, usually it was for someone with a lot of uh, notoriety and money. But these funeral games are some of the earliest known gladiator type fights. While the Romans may have picked it up from the people who were populating Campania and Lucania, uh, it's likely the origins of the funeral games really come from the Greeks who colonized those areas as early as the 8th century B.C. Question? Yes.
1: So, Karen, um was first, like, a god of the underworld and then later became
2: the ferryman, right? That's the same guy? Um,
0: I'm not really sure. I didn't read up too much about the history of of Charon.
2: Yeah, I don't remember who was the, the ferryman. Yeah, I thought he was the
1: ferryman and, like, Hades was the god of the mean, it, If yeah. it's funeral games, that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, it would have been, like, mushed together.
0: The... Yeah, well, I mean, and it's also, like, you know, the original Greek myths and stuff. And then, you know, the Romans would kind of do a bastardized, Romanized version. I guess, you know, the Etruscans might have done the same, you know, like, kind of taken...
2: Yeah, give him the... an inch... The... want a mile (laughs) give him a rope want to be a cowboy yeah exactly I do know that Karen is a moon of Pluto oh
3: Oh. Mm -hmm.
2: that's all I know (laughs) fun facts
0: (laughs) so the Greeks would have introduced these games um to the areas with a like a dash of human sacrifice as uh Mayer points out just a smidge no just a smidge um But he points out that the Greeks believed that the blood of prisoners gave the dead strength for the difficult journey to the underworld.
1: Oh, I'm sure they did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the idea with these funeral games is that, you know, these, these prominent families would put them on as a private event. Um, and these families would help their dead relatives transition from the world of the living to the underworld uh, with the blood of a sacrifice killed in one-on-one combat. This also worked to reinforce the family's wealth, status, and powers. You know, it's, it's sort of like a power move. Um, and at this early stage... That's a weird flex. There, <laughs> good, the Romans are all about the flex, dude. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that a little bit, but like that, you could say that's like a Roman virtue. A
1: Roman flex?
0: <laughs> dude, no, nobody flex quite like the Romans. That's very true. So, yeah, you know, at this early stage, the gladiators were usually just criminals or slaves. Um, and they would sometimes fight beside the grave of the departed until blood was spilled, cleansing the soul of the deceased, as Mayar puts it.
2: Goodness gracious.
0: So um, those are just some of the prevailing theories on where these fights to the death in a Roman sense came from. Uh, Greece seems very likely as we see some other echoes of different Greek traditions and they are kind of closely tied. So definitely. Yeah. So I guess let's get to the early games. In the earliest days of the Republic, the arena games generally consisted of plays and chariot racing. Um, I don't want to get too much into these two, um, but it's worth mentioning a little bit. Um, You know, we're all here for the gore, so.
2: That's right.
0: <laughs> so the chariot races were the main events, and a lot like sports games and fans that we would recognize today, people had a team or a charioteer uh, that they were loyal to and supported. Fans would wear the colors of their teams, which were either green, blue, red, or white. <laughs> and the, <laughs> And the charioteers were considered heroes, kind of like, you know, modern athletes are, like a football hero.
2: I'm just picturing a bunch of people in the Coliseum with their like faces painted and the names of their charioteer like painted on Dude, their chest. It's
0: kinda kinda like that.
2: That's <laughs> just yeah. like the big fat guys here. I think, think
0: they're saying some people like <laughs> colored their hair and stuff, like in Whoa. Yeah, so it's like like a lot like a modern.
1: Yeah. Sports I'm fan. like since we're here in Denver, like Broncos fans. Oh god. Yeah. And their love of blood and how they bleed orange and yeah. oh, mm-hmm. blue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, first I mean, of all, get to a doctor. <laughs> That's disgusting.
0: These colors don't run. These no. colors
1: don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm, girl. So Broncos yeah. are tacky colors. I said it. I said it. I agree. <laughs> I you. you can fight me on Twitter at fuck you I'm funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so more than hundred and fifty thousand people would come out to these chariot races. I mean, they were a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. Anything comparable to our, you know, American Super Bowl or, you know, the soccer cups, World Cups, you know, just like big things like that. I mean, just grabbed everybody. Wow. And, you know, chariot racing was, of course, another Greek tradition that the Romans adopted. You know, the most famous of these arenas in Rome was the Circus Maximus. I mean, I think everybody's kind of heard of that. Yeah. Uh, So these games were put on by the state and they were known as ludi or public games. <laughs> ludi, Ludi. It's okay, Ludi. Like with a D or
2: with a T, like Luti or Ludi. Ludi,
0: Ludi, 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 Ludi. ludi.
2: ludi, ludi. <laughs> the
0: they were celebrated on special occasions like the worship of a deity, and as time went on, uh, more dates and longer games would be added to the calendar for these public events. Uh, this would serve as both an exercise of power from the elite and to alleviate the daily hardships the regular people suffered, or at least give a temporary re- uh, reprieve. Just kind of give the illusion. Everything's cool. (laughs) It's great. So as the Republic falls in and out of chaos and eventually turns into the Roman Empire, the need to keep people from revolting became important as the rich got even richer through the spoils of empire. They all benefited, but the people hardly usually did, except for it's kind of like, we'll put on games and like there's a grain dole we'll give you or, you know, (laughs) bread.
2: Yeah. You get to dress up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and we might know these games to appease the people by their more well-known names, Panum et circensis, Bread and Circuses. Didn't fuck that up at all.
1: I have new standards for dates now. Take (laughs) me to the Bread and Circus!
2: Yeah, it does sound like a lot better time. I mean, it does sound fun. It does. I like bread.
1: Yeah, fuck Lodo. I want the Bread and Circus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So by the second century BC, wild animal hunting had been added to these public games. Uh, it's gonna get kind of sad here for a little bit, so sorry in advance. Trigger um, oh, warning: animal, animal abuse. death. It's gonna be pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, I came sucks. for
1: human death.
0: Oh, there's gonna be plenty of that, but we gotta get this out of the way because it is a huge part of like the games. So you can't yeah. really talk yeah. about them unless you talk about the, the use of animals. Uh,
1: I cannot uh, like promise you I won't cry all over your microphone.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just don't cry at my microphone. Oh my
1: God, about.
0: <laughs> so um, a couple of things are going to need some explaining. Uh, so a consul in Rome is almost it's like the leader. It's like I uh, think of like the president or prime minister, but there were two consuls. So it would be kind of like if Obama and McCain had both become president because they could be <laughs> at, they could be at odds with each other and often were. And that was sort of seen as a check and balance. Um so that's what a Roman consul is. I'm about to kind of talk a little bit about it. Did um, they have to
1: fight each other? Because if they had to fight each other, I'm not sure. Man. No,
0: but the politician... Like John
1: McCain was a POW, but Barack Obama's real tall and ripped.
0: Well, the thing with Rome <laughs> is like almost all the politicians and especially the consuls were also the generals. So they were actually like fought in battles and stuff like It'd be like our Senate having fought in wars. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and then a triumph which I'm going to mention here in a sec. It's basically a parade. A consul would, you know, they'd go out and they would do like a conquest mission. And so if they conquered something or brought a lot of goods back or won a war, you know, they would sometimes get a triumph, which is basically a parade in their honor. They get to parade down the streets of Rome with all of their, you know, amassed wealth and stuff they got from the conquering. It'd be like slaves and they would just march um, for days sometimes, you know, like like days long uh, triumphs.
2: Prince oh, I love yeah. the feathers,
1: Joan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, anyway, uh, that just need a little bit of explaining. So, okay. Roman consuls or generals who had triumphs would parade through Rome with a menagerie of wild beasts from the foreign lands that they had conquered. Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and much like the early days of circuses in more modern times, these wild and exotic animals uh, captured the imaginations of the people. But over time, it just wasn't enough to parade these animals around. So... They decided to kill them in extravagant ways. Uh, Yeah, it's going to get kind of sad here, guys. Sorry. (laughs)
2: Sorry.
0: So the first officially recorded wild animal hunt for entertainment was in 186 BC during the Ludi held by Fulvius Nobilior in honor of Jupiter. Uh, Included in his program was the hunting of lions and panthers. Uh, Lions, of course, would become an iconic figure in the gladiatorial games. Um, Pliny the Elder, a first century army commander and author, uh, tells us the scale of, ju- of just lions that were brought into Rome.
2: Sulla, who was afterwards dictator during his preatorship, gave the spectacle of a fight of 100 lions with manes. After him, Pompeius Magnus exhibited 600 lions in the circus, 315 of which had manes. Caesar, the dictator, exhibited 400. Seneca gives an account of this exhibition, he says that the lions were turned loose into the circus and that the spearmen were sent by King Bacchus, who killed them with darts. Sulla was praetor.
0: So these hunts became grander and included larger numbers of animals to hunt. Yeah, it's, it's basically just like it's like not even a hunt. They're it's just, just a chasing slaughter. Yeah. yeah, it's awful.
1: They, they do things. I mean, this is illegal, but they do things called canned hunts, which is pretty much what that sounds like. Like an exotic animal and they'll release it somewhere really small and just have a bunch of people shoot
2: at it uh, or chase it around or Yeah, whatever. it's essentially the same idea. Yeah.
0: yeah. So our buddy Pliny tells us some instances where elephants were used in the games.
2: They fought also in the third consulship of the dictator Caesar, 20 of them against 500 foot soldiers. On another occasion, 20 elephants carrying towers and each defended by 60 men were opposed to the same number of foot soldiers as before. And an equal number of horsemen. Afterwards, under the emperors Claudius and Nero, the last exploit that the gladiators performed was fighting single handed with the elephants.
0: Fucking crazy, right? Jesus. Yeah.
2: Single handed? Yeah. How are you going to fight a... Wow.
0: Dude, it's crazy. I it was like, that was just a part of living in the what, ancient Mediterranean. What, <laughs> bro? What, bro? Yeah, right, dude? Squish. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just steps on your ass. <laughs> so Pliny also tells us that elephants were killed because no one knew what the hell to do with them after the games, which really shows how, like, disposable these animals were to the Romans. I mean, um, well, here, here's Pliny again.
2: Varius informs us that they, the elephants fought in the circus and that they were slain with javelins for want of some better method of disposing of them as the people neither liked to keep them nor yet to give them to the Kings. What a bunch of
1: bastards.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, and it's like, they killed so many animals in mass. So, I mean, so if that's true, they must have killed, I mean, tens or hundreds of thousands of animals just for, like, entertainment purposes. I mean, it's and it's actually said that the Romans did such extensive hunting of these animals for capture and, you know, in such great numbers that they wiped out or nearly wiped out whole species of large land animals in Europe and the Middle East.
1: I did know that.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, just all for nothing, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, nothing to us. For them, it you know it's obviously not something we'll get to So them. nothing, yeah. So basically, yeah. <laughs> remember they are product of their time. So. They want
1: to watch
2: the TV. Yeah, exactly. they was going
1: say like we're looking back on this from thousands of years and uh it didn't matter.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> so you yeah.
1: uh you still like your civilization still died,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> no matter how many elephants you killed, you bastards. Couldn't <laughs> be because of things like this. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't yeah, be because you just like wrecked it <laughs> killed all the elements and lead lined everything couldn't be hubris or yeah. anything like
0: that so in 167 bc another change occurred amelius paulus one of the two consuls that year uh introduced a new form of entertainment that united the fun of wild animals with the excitement of a death sentence <laughs> <laughs> it is known as damnatio ad bestias death by wild animals this shit's pretty cool, actually. That's pretty <laughs> <this> shit's pretty <laughs> rad. So uh deserters from the army were ripped apart by wild animals in front of thousands of spectators. Oh my god, Dude, can you yeah.
2: imagine watching
1: that Dude, shit? Yeah,
0: and they loved it. Oh yeah, and
1: imagine they're standing, like trying, about to piss yourself and you're going to battle and you're like, If I run, they tear me apart with animals. Oh if I stay, they tear me apart with swords. Yeah,
0: I mean if, if they even let you run, you know, like They could just tie you down. You know, I mean, they were so popular that it became a staple of the games. You know, and by 146 B.C., the punishment also applied to slaves who committed a serious crime. You know, the more animals in death, the better and more enjoyable to the crowds.
1: Do they ever tear Uh any, like, criminal senators or rulers apart?
0: Um, There
1: are, I mean... Hin, hin, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, America.
0: <sighs> a lot of the politicians <laughs> were assassinated, you know, not like, you know, because you could be tried. It was like if you were in office, you couldn't be tried for anything. But well, the moment that you're out, anything could happen to you. But they did have like lawsuits and stuff and they would imprison people. I mean, you were still a Roman. Ah, so I see you where we the... got
1: that holdover. Yeah, Cause cause I you're mean, still a
0: Roman because citizens were still, you know, they were treated a little better, even if, even if being executed. But, I mean, there are some stories we'll get to with the crazy emperors, like Nero and stuff, of, like, feeding some senators to wild animals or something. Oh, joy.
1: Finally, (laughs) the animals get their turn.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they kind of will, actually. Um, We'll get to more of these later, but we begin to see this escalation of the violence and bloodshed coincidentally coincides with Rome's rise as an imperial power. So, uh, yeah, we'll transition to some early gladiatorial fights. So one of the earliest written Roman accounts of a gladiatorial fight uh, goes back to 264 B.C. When ex-consul Iunius Pera died, Uh, his son set up some fights for him at his funeral. uh, Oh, how nice. Yeah, it's really nice. (laughs) So as we previously mentioned, um, these first fights uh, to the death began at the funerals of prominent people. But in typical Roman fashion, each funeral had to outdo the previous. (laughs) Um, again, so it's not only flexing, but competition is huge in Roman society. Like, yeah, a thing that you will is not going to be too unfamiliar. Keeping up with
1: the Joniuses. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I mean, something we'll find that's not unfamiliar in our own time is like politicians basically trying to undermine each other just mm-hmm. so the other person wouldn't get glory. Like, so say someone brought a really good land bill, like said, you know, we should do this, give land to you know the soldiers because they fought. Some senators would like be like, nope. Cause they didn't want that guy to get the credit for it. So <laughs> even if it was good legislation that everybody enjoyed, like everybody thought was good, they would just be assholes and like not do it. It was. It's just all about like yeah. I like. Who I need does to get that the gl- sound yeah? Like. yeah. So it's like, and if and if I can't get the glory and the recognition, nobody fucking can. You know, like that's in that. So yeah, obviously we see that now. It's yeah.
2: just. wow. <laughs>
0: So, um, yeah, obviously that's a huge thing, and that's another reason how these games will ramp up is just the competition for glory and, like, recognition. So, the number of gladiators mentioned in 246 BC only had three pairs, but by 160 BC, they had grown to massive scales. In 174 BC, for example... Titus Flaminius held a ceremony for his father's funeral, where seventy-four gladiators fought over three or four days.
2: Goodness gracious, that's a that's a heck of a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and they and they were kind of slow. They would be slow moving too, for the most part, you know. Um, so that's why they would be on for like days. Um, so the Roman historian Titus Livius, or Livy, as we all know him, they always have like cute little names. (laughs) So he tells us of uh, this event.
2: Several gladiatorial exhibitions were given this year, most of them on a small scale. The one given by T. Flaminius far surpassed the rest. On the occasion of his father's death, he exhibited this spectacle for four days and supplemented it with a distribution of meat, a funeral feast, and scenic plays. But even in this magnificent exhibition, the total number of men who fought was only 74.
0: It's funny to me that Livy's like, only 74 gladiators fought compared to the funeral of Marcus Lavinius, who had 120 gladiators at his funeral, and them weren't small beans. So basically it was
1: like, <laughs> it just wasn't as cool as that one. We yeah, exactly. 75
0: guys. <laughs> Fucking bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable.
0: So Mayer uh, recounts an incident that illustrates how the games were becoming popular with the regular people, and not just for the elite individuals anymore. In
2: 160 B.C., one incident demonstrated how popular they were the premiere of the comedy hesera by terence had drawn big crowds but in the middle of the performance the audience left the theater en masse and ran across to forum romanum to watch the gladiator fights put on there by amelius paulus let's look for treasure
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as these gladiatorial games became more popular uh, you know these numbers would get into the hundreds you know high hundreds and the elite and the wealthy needed to convince people of the deceased status, uh, which was usually a family member um, and always, of course, to outdo the last funeral. And this necessitates more gladiators, which feeds this new machine of violence and death. But what stoked the flames even more was a growing popularity amongst the people. These early public games were generally put on by affluent Romans to raise their status. Think of it as like a PR event. You know, wealthy Romans who wanted to maybe get a certain political position or to show their wealth and status would put these games on to gain the people's favor. And uh, that could also gain the favor of other powerful people. It's Uh, a
1: common thing in a lot of societies where those who are rich will have to put on some kind of party or festival or something to to like... Reiterate their status. Yeah,
0: usually out of pocket. Like sometimes you'd have a sponsor or two, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, yeah. So like they and they were you know, expensive. Like, yeah, and if
1: you didn't, ever so often, people thought you were like a cheap asshole.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> like, yeah, If you did, it could really hurt you. I mean, Julius Caesar is said to have spent like insane amounts of money putting on grand games. Um, you know, in, in 65 BC, for instance, Caesar put on games that included 320 pairs of gladiators. Pairs. Yeah. Pairs, yep. Fuck. Jesus. Yeah. The Senate put a restriction on the number of gladiators in a game that year. But not... (laughs) That was nice. (laughs) Well, not out of any concern for the amount of lives lost or the seemingly senseless butchery, but because they were afraid of Caesar becoming more uh, more, (laughs) more popular, (laughs) you know, Caesar was a populare. And a populare was sort of like... A socialite? Yeah, kind of like a socialist. Like we would say like a socialist. You know, it was instead of worrying about just the elite... Um, it was politicians who cared about, like, the plight of the people. Ah. And, like, so it was not popular in government to be a populare. Um, a lot of the oh. populares actually got assassinated.
1: So it's like Kim Kardashian versus Bernie Sanders.
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the idea with the elite of Rome and, like, we are the most important. Like, we are Rome. Like, the people are just kind of, like, you yeah.
2: know. I had 320 gladiators my last event.
0: So Gaius Gracchus, who was also a popular who was assassinated, and he was the People's Tribune in 122 BC. That's basically where the people got to vote for a representative, which they didn't have before. Yeah, they there's a whole revolt thing that happened. They're like, we want fucking representation. <laughs> so they let them do People of the Tribune. Anyway, Gaius Gracchus knew the importance of getting on the people's side. Uh, some rich elites had commissioned that stands and seats be built around the arena so that they could rent them out.
2: Selling Gai- tickets.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they would. I mean, VIP you, boxes. Yep. Well, actually, I think they. it was like all around, so they. it was like almost just rich people for the most part. Oh. oh. So Gaius, on the other hand, he wanted the seats and stands removed so the poor people could watch the games for free. So they denied his requre- uh, request, of course, because yeah. they're fucking dicks. So in the middle of the night, he had the stands and seats removed, and the free <laughs> seats were offered the next morning.
2: Just a money grab, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. Nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people people liked him. So these gladiator fights originally had been put on uh, by private individuals, which we've kind of said already. Um, But these were known as Munera. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Munera. 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 I don't know. (laughs) The Ludi, which were the public games like chariot racing or the plays, were a state affair with sponsors. But then certain events changed the structure. Social and political chaos erupted after the assassination of Caesar. Uh, The historians write about these bad omens that led to a change in the games. Uh, So Mayer uh, summarizes the sources.
2: A power struggle was now coming to a head between, on one side, Caesar's murderers, Brutus and Cassius. On the other, the supporters of the assassinated dictator. Some people believed that the Roman state itself was in danger, since strange omens were seen everywhere, pointing to great changes in the cosmos. In Rome, the sun is said to have assumed enormous proportions and shone day and night, then to have collapsed in on itself, giving hardly any light at all. The sound of trumpets and the clatter of weapons were heard from the direction of Caesar and Anthony's palace gardens in the middle of the night. People heard screams coming from army camps. A child was born with ten fingers on each hand, and a mule gave birth to a foal that was a horse at the front and a mule at the back the chariot
0: party in the front
2: <laughs> <laughs> the chariot of the goddess minerva was smashed to pieces in the circus maximus and blood poured from the left shoulder of the statue of jupiter in the alban hills rivers dried up or flowed back to their sources the romans regarded all these disturbances as a sign that the gods would have to be placated if the state was to be saved
0: so the Romans, like many ancient peoples, took omens very seriously. And these omens, you know, they sound silly and absurd, just like like a baby with like you know twenty <laughs> fingers.
1: And... <laughs> it's a hell of a loot player. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shreds. <laughs> right. Eh? Um, you
0: know, but these omens they they do capture the feel of the atmosphere around this time. I mean, people were scared of what was going to happen before Caesar. Uh, They had been through a bunch of civil wars and social unrest, and thousands of people died. Um, So people thought that the future looked bleak, again.
2: (laughs) I wonder why.
0: (laughs) And with omens that grand and numerous, the gods needed something big from the mortals to be placated. And since the Roman state and religion were intertwined, it fell on the state to put on these games to ease the gods' wrath. And thus, we get the gladiator games becoming another looty of the state, paid for and organized.
1: So much like the last episode, beware anyone talking about how the gods need blood. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Because <laughs> you be care what you wish for, you know? Yeah. So as the state funneled more money into these games, they became bigger, more varied, and more brutal.
2: That's exactly what they need.
0: Yep. <laughs> so the religious aspect would also fade just as the line between state and private events faded. Again, it's sort of like it just at some point became just like an orgy of violence. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: at what point is this just not a battle?
0: Yeah, <laughs> like I mean... this I'm... is
1: hundreds of people fighting each other. That's just a battle now. <laughs> That's true. Might as well be a small war.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's like you know, sometimes when they would do, like... Because a lot of times gladiators fought one-on-one. I mean, that was kind of the point. Yeah. But sometimes they would have massive, like, mock battles, you know, where people actually died. And it is... Sometimes it would represent um, maybe the emperor coming back from... came back from Gaul and, like, you know, I conquered the... The Teutons. And so we're (laughs) in
2: Let's see a reenactment of that.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, exactly. It's like they would do reenactments of battles and stuff like that.
2: Uh, (laughs) It really
1: is just like extreme LARPing. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: it's all about showing the glory and power of Rome, you know? It's like, dude, everybody wants to hear the hits. Everybody wants to see the hits, you
1: know? (laughs) (laughs) Create a book on the long, like... The long and, and glorious history of LARPing. <laughs>
0: it's like people are like, I want to see, you know, the Mithridatic Wars. I want to see the Third Punic War. You know, like I want to see the Battle <laughs> of Kame... You know, like shit like that. It's just yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it was usually the emperors wanting to do it because they're just like sitting there, like gloating, like hm, I did that. These
1: are I expendable Walt. movies. Now. <laughs>
0: So now, where these different games and events were somewhat separate, you know, in the beginning, uh, we then get them kind of all mixed together into some sort of sadistic variety show, which included plays, mimes, chariot races, animal hunts, animal and human fights, public executions, and then gladiatorial fights.
2: Woo! Can you imagine the program Dude, for that?
0: What a it's day. Like,
2: oh, man! <laughs> Mime at three. Animal hunt at six. <laughs>
0: like parents are bringing back their kids, all blood splattered. Like somebody had a big day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man!
1: Yeah. I definitely want to get my kid on one of those leashes then.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you know, and with the sh- with shows, or programs becoming this varied, um, these events would just last all day sometimes, or you know, across several days.
1: God, that's so funny. You'd take your kid to these games, and like now you can't like people lose their mind if there's a, even a hint of a curse word on the radio. Oh, right? I know,
0: right, yeah. It's, it's wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, now we'll kind of talk a little bit about gladiators in society. So, we're not going to be going into too much detail on the inner workings of the gladiatorial schools or anything. Um, if you want to read more, I would recommend uh, Mayar's book. Um, but I do want to spend a little time on the gladiators themselves and how they were viewed as it kind of gives us a glimpse into what gladiators meant to the Roman society. And again, we're trying to kind of figure out what did all this mean to them? You know, was it just senseless, you know, butchery or did it kind of have some inner meaning, you know, which it does, obviously, but we'll kind of pick out what that is.
2: Yeah, arguably.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we had mentioned earlier that gladiators were often slaves, um, prisoners of war or criminals, and that remained constant for the most part. Despite their social standing, gladiators were like celebrities among the people. Romans had mosaics of their favorite events or portraits of their favorite gladiators in their home. And they have even found graffiti carved into walls around the various arenas that depicted certain gladiators, lovingly carved by the ancient world's version of sports fanboys. (laughs)
1: It's like Biggie Smalls plaques. (laughs) 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 Or like those things of sports... The sports ball guys that you put on your fat heads. (laughs) yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: It's kind of, it is, it's like, it's like, um, you know, it's like a mosaic. So it would be like a full, like, you know, huge gladiator. So, yeah, Yeah. it's kind of like an ancient fat head. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) So, you know, they found um, graffiti showing gladiator figures in action, uh, sometimes depictions of a, a specific fight or crude portraits of the gladiators with their names and scores just above it. Wow. I and mean, the weird thing about the names is like they would give them like pet names because a lot of times they're slaves and stuff. So like they would have like be known as like spot killed oh, killed 13, you know, oh. whatever. Yeah, it's just crazy shit. It's
1: a weird bingo game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, all this shows the fervor of these games, though, and for the gladiators themselves, you know, and though they were society's lowest rung among the regular folks of Rome, they were heroes and stuff of legends. And much like the heroes of the many epics around the world, most notably the works of Homer, uh, gladiators represented the best qualities and virtues of the culture.
1: There We're, are too many, like, like this is just like football
3: in America <laughs> yeah, today. This no, is it, too much of that. Dude, I mean,
1: yeah. Look, the
0: parallels are freaking me Yeah, dude, it is. I mean, like, it, again, going back to, like, look at the structure of the arenas and the stadiums. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, and then you go look at an old picture of the Coliseum or something, you know, it, you know, it just.
1: Power dynamics of yeah. who's in the stands, who's in power, and who's a gladiator.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just these ghosts that are still kind of, you know, with us well, in, if, in the Western world.
2: If it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it.
0: So Rome saw gladiators as possessing things like strength, courage, discipline, fearlessness, competitiveness, and of course the desire for fame and glory. All all things that Romans thought embodied the spirit of a, of a Roman. So, you know, they really played that, an important role in that as, you know, they were something to aspire to within just like what they meant, you know, what what they represented. It's like just this ruthlessness. Yeah. (laughs) So gladiators also had sex appeal. Oh, Mm. I'm sure they did. As as Terry Jones tells us on this documentary (laughs) on gladiators. Speaking of sex
2: appeal, (laughs) women would collect gladiator sweat and use it as an aphrodisiac. Oh yeah. And a spear dipped in gladiators. Blood was used in wedding ceremonies to part the bride's Mm. hair. What yeah, is
0: that crazy? Just like
2: just like oh let's get some blood right up in that hairline. okay, Oops. that's perfect.
0: Sorry, darling got a little blood on your forehead. Eh? <laughs> so despite this fame and glory from the common people, gladiators, you know they had no so- social standing as they were you know of course war captives, criminal slaves. and the are- the <laughs>
2: the, <aretes? laughs>
0: the, aretes, the elites of Rome still saw them as less than dirt. But free people often volunteer to become gladiators, um, essentially giving up their old lives and their status as free people.
1: What? Can I get it now? Yeah. No, there's uh, one of the Koch brothers. I think I mentioned this the last episode. One of the Koch brothers argued that you should be able to sell yourself into slavery. Like that should be a right that you have.
2: No, I get why. <laughs> I mean, hey,
1: it's <laughs> he secretly America.
2: wanted to be a gladiator. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you were like idolized. So, and,
1: yeah, and think of like the the lack of body autonomy that professional athletes have, like football players and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, your body is. You a basically commodity. give
1: up all, everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, um, you know, they would give up, you know, give up their freedom and stuff, and they would train to fight in these games. And even women would volunteer to become gladiators, which is kind of just crazy for the time. Dope. You know? <laughs> yeah, he probably probably some badass fucking shit. I mean, shit. if they're just
1: going to have a funeral and make you fight anyway, you might as well get some glory out of that <laughs> <Right>? shit. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, they would risk death and give up their freedom, all all for fame and glory. I mean...
1: Well, yeah, okay. When you think of all the handmaidens buried with all the rich, like in ancient times, with all the rich people, you wonder if they were just like, all right, you bitches, fight first.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, sure, why not, yeah. I mean... The Game of Courts is a dangerous game. That's right.
1: (laughs) you play the Game of Courts, you die. No, you just die.
0: (laughs) Everyone dies. Game of Courts doesn't quite have a ring to it. (laughs) So from some of the records, we know that many gladiators did not make it to their 12th fight. So when people volunteered to be a gladiator, they really gave up everything, especially of the potential to a long life.
1: You didn't really have much of that potential anyway. That's true. It
0: was ancient Rome. (laughs) so i guess now let's kind of get to the games
3: yeah
0: so you know that was obviously just some background um which i went over in a very cursory way uh there are a lot of great stories in history that you can research you know a lot of really cool moments and interesting facts um and if you get mayor's book uh there is some great stuff about the gladiator life um how the Colosseum and other arenas worked and a lot more but let's get to the good stuff So we'll lay out how a typical day went with anecdotes peppered in. And the anecdotes, they they won't be in any chronological order. You know, this is sort of just an overview of what went on and how the games were, you know, usually organized. Obviously, there are a lot of differences and stuff. So leading up to the games, they would put signs up all around the city that described what entertainment could be expected. So here's one that was found in Pompeii.
2: Twenty pair of gladiators owned by D. Lucretius Seder Valens Lifelong priest to Nero Caesar Augustus and ten pairs of gladiators owned by his son, D. Lacretius Valens, will engage in combat in Pompeii on the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th of April. There will also be wild animal hunts, as permitted by law. The seats will be shaded with awnings.
0: There will be tiki drinks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Two-for-one drink tickets. I mean, but, you know, it's like...
0: Like how modern that is, you know, it's right. just like, by the mm-hmm. way, there's going to be awnings. Like, there's going to be some shade. <laughs> Get your tickets fast. <laughs> you know, but yeah, but, you know, tickets would have been expensive for most lower class Romans. But, you know, it was in the state's interest to keep even them just satisfied enough. So, you know, they would often put aside, you know, a few thousand seats for free or something. It's kind of a first come, first serve basis.
1: Wow. It's like yeah. a really provocative piece of entertainment that keeps the masses quelled.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's kind of. Oh, no, of... that
1: still doesn't sound like football no, at all. No, <laughs> no.
0: There's no echoes. So if the
1: wrong gladiator lost or whatever, did they also ransack the city
2: and set shit on fire?
0: Uh, there are some stories about like, well, well, we'll get to some of that stuff in a little bit.
2: That was the halftime show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they would begin the games with a sacrifice. You know, there would be music and the head of the state religion, the Pontifex Maximus, would come in. And, uh, you know, there would be all the senators and then the emperor would arrive. You know, it's it's pomp, but also kind of solemn, you know, um, because it is the power of Rome. (laughs) So and it's all an amalgamation of the gods, Roman virtues and the state, basically what it all represents. So I'm going to paraphrase Professor Keith Hopkins, but he says that it was not just a game. It was a celebration of the triumph and the greatness of the Roman state, the triumph of the Roman state over nature of the barbarians. And that they were the center of the universe. I mean, that's basically what this all meant. It was big, a big old, like, pat on the back, you know, make <laughs> you feel good.
2: Look at how awesome we are.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, look how we lay waste to all this. <laughs> you know, it's We just,
2: have the power.
0: Yeah, it's like very, like, Assyrian. It's just <sighs> crazy. Um, so here are the events laid out quickly by Mayor, And then we'll go into each one well, a little more, a little more detail and kind of explain them a little more.
2: In the morning, there were animal fights immediately followed by wild animal hunts. Criminals and absconding slaves were executed at lunchtime, sometimes with lighthearted interludes, such as comic turns and competitive athletics. The main feature was saved for the afternoon, the gladiator fights.
0: Yep. I mean, that was pretty much what everybody mostly came for, was the gladiator fights. <laughs> yeah. But,
2: yeah. inter russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love a good comedian, though? Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, tough crowd.
1: <laughs> I'm picturing Morris. Rodney Dangerfield dressed like a clown in front of the gallows as people just hang there.
0: <laughs> no is, respect. What is this, an audience or a mortuarium? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll start with the morning. Uh, so that's going to be the animal fights. So we already talked a little bit about these animal fights, um, but I really can't emphasize how important the animals were to like what we know of the gladiator gladiator games and all we really know about them is what we have read from ancient writers and have found on mosaic mosaics and frescoes but we know that the morning show is divided into three parts animal fights circus acts and then the hunts the state would often advertise what animals would be there as it was kind of a way to draw people in but for these animal fights the surprise is what match will be set
1: Oh man, if they're not killing elephants, I don't even want to go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bullshit. I fucking missed the elephants last time. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's, they're basically like almost gladiator fights with animals. Um, You know, would it be a bear versus a bull? Maybe a lion versus a leopard? What about a rhino versus a buffalo? Or does an elephant versus a bull get your fancy? Ooh. Yeah, you know, that was like the fun. It was like. This is
1: like Randy Marsh looking up porn.
3: <laughs> it's just like, what can we got there next? <laughs> uh, elephant on bull porn.
0: <laughs> Um, you know, but that was like the excitement. It was what what animal is going to be, you know, what are they going to fight? Um, Marshall. There's a
1: very important episode of the Wild Thornberries about this. Educate
0: uh, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so I think his name is Marshall Martial. Well, anyway, he's a Roman author writing in the first century, um, and he wrote about some of these animal on animal encounters. Mm. Mm. <laughs>
2: A tigress that had been accustomed to lick the hand of her unsuspecting keeper, an animal of rare beauty from the Hyrcanian Mountains, being enraged, lacerated with maddened tooth, a fierce lion, a strange occurrence such as had never been known in any age. She attempted nothing of the sort while she lived in the depths of the forest, but since she had been among us, she has acquired greater ferocity.
0: She has become more Roman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We were dicks to her. Now she's mad. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Uh, I could read the Latin. So one cool thing about some of the arenas uh, where these games were held is that they had cages under the main arena floor. And then they would hoist them up um, with the animals inside. And then the animals would run into the arena through like trap doors and passages. It's like a really elaborate and like pretty, pretty ingenious like mechanisms, you know, especially for the Roman, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they had pretty great technology, but still, it's pretty impressive. Yeah,
1: that reminds you of Star Wars. It should. Yeah, well,
0: (laughs) but it also serves up to really ramp up the anticipation of the showmanship. I mean, it's it's all about showmanship, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like platforms rise up and there's animals and it's just like, fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. So um, Mayer mentions one of the images found on a mosaic depicting a fight between a bear and a bull.
2: The Zlitten mosaic mentioned earlier shows one possible combination. A bear and a bull have been tied together with a chain and a rope. A naked man, possibly sentenced to be killed by wild animals, rush towards them with the hook to separate the two creatures. Once he has done this, there will be a fight to the death. The combination of bear and bull is a frequent one, because it guarantees a spectacular confrontation. Woo. Damn. <laughs>
3: yeah. She so people are just like
2: fuck it.
0: And again, it's like they're like hits. Everybody fucking wants to see, you know.
2: Yeah, man. Mm, oh. That's
0: crazy. So, after the people had enough of watching animals kill each other, they had a little break. They essentially would have circus-like acts with tamed animals, people dancing on top of bulls and elephants or animals performing dance routines and tricks. Um and they even trained animals animals to like reenact gladiator fights or wars and they had like Oh. Made them Aww. little arm, like little things of armor and stuff. Oh I don't think God. they died. I think it was just kind of like you know they trained just and be like run at it. Yeah, they run at they're it. They're just like bumping into each other. You know, man
1: it would have been a real different civilization if that had caught on a little more. <laughs> yeah. <right.
0: laughs> so after this little bit of lighthearted fun, uh, things got serious again. They had the hunts. Which were usually just human versus animal combat is basically what it is. You know, so hunt is a strong word. Yeah, well, the, the first part's kind of a yeah. I mean, hunt's still a strong word. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there's an obvious metaphorical undertone for these animal hunts, and that is that they represent that Rome and the emperor have conquered nature and they now control it. So again, <laughs> there's always this undertone of the greatness of Rome. <sighs> so the hunters, known as venators, venators, <laughs> <laughs> sounded more like Dutch. So, they would chase around animals that were not predatory, things like ostrich, deer, gazelles, you know, like things like that.
1: Tasty things.
0: Yeah, tasty things. And these these they might have eaten. I don't really know. I didn't, Hopefully. didn't mention that. I've
1: never had ostrich, but I'll bet it's
0: delicious. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Giant gamey chicken. Oh,
0: yeah, big old. So. <laughs>
1: I'll try it. Try anything <laughs> once. Yeah. <Yep. laughs>
0: so, they would hunt and kill all of these animals, and the floor of the arena would be covered in blood and gore and, and basically bodies. And once they cleared all this away and they threw down some new dirt, uh, they cranked it up another notch. The Venators would then fight the lords of the wilderness, (laughs) which included all the dangerous (laughs) animals like lions, tigers, bears. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah. You know, all the things like that. I mean, they they, had like crocodiles and shit. It was just fucking all kinds of shit. They fought crocodiles? They had like crocodiles were in the gladiatorial games. So, yeah, I think they were probably part of the hunts or something. Yeah. Crazy shit. (laughs) Dude, they like it was like whatever was like around that was crazy. they just <laughs> it like, has
2: big teeth. <laughs> that looks
0: crazy. We should fight it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's what I think of when I think of Rome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that God. was crazy. We should fight it. <laughs> so
0: I mean, these animals died in mass numbers, as we had said earlier. But sometimes a hunter or two was killed. Yeah, you know, a little bit, a yeah. little bit of revenge there. <laughs> so when all the animals were dead, they cleaned up again and released more animals to be slaughtered. I mean, this would go on all morning. Until basically until people were just like tired of it, you know. Yeah. I can only watch, you know.
2: 20 elephants go down. Yeah. really.
0: (laughs) So here's a writing from Marshall about a hunter who garnished some respect despite the fact that Venator's were not on the same level as gladiators fame wise.
2: That which constituted the crowning glory of your fame, Maliager. What a small proportion it is of Carpophorus's renown. The laying low of a boar. He also plunged his spear into a charging bear, a beast without peer in the region of the Arctic clime. And he laid low a lion of unheard of size, to behold that would have done credit to the hands of Hercules.
0: So the audience were not always heartless when it came to animals. You know, here's Pliny describing a strange occurrence at the games of Pompey the Great.
2: When, however, the elephants in the exhibition given by Pompeius had lost all hopes of escaping, They implored the compassion of the multitude by attitudes which surpass all description, and with a kind of lamentation bewailed their unhappy fate. So greatly were the people affected by the scene, that, forgetting the general altogether, and the munificence which had been at such pains to do them honor, the whole assembly rose up in tears and showered curses on Pompeius.
3: Hey, puppy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy like um, it was basically like these elephants garnered the sympathy of the audience, which wasn't a big thing. you know, and the other writers said it was because elephants shared like traits or characteristics or like human affinities, you know, so right. like they yeah. it's like almost that that humanizing aspect that where they would normally find sympathy out of something like that. um, you know, it, it got it from them, which is it's kind of a, just a weird rare thing. It's like when you think about all the animals they killed. Yeah. So it's got kind of, yeah, it's kind of a interesting interesting story there. It's poor babies. I know, it's really. Yeah, it's really sad. This is it's almost over for the most part. <laughs> so after the hunts, they had what could be considered a sadistic version of a rodeo. The bestiary would go up against an animal, one-on-one style combat. They would try to wrestle bulls to the ground and strangle them to death, or they would have to fight bears, lions, or tigers armed with only a spear. What the
2: fuck? Yeah. How do you how do you choke a bear out?
0: A, a bowl, oh, yeah, a or a bowl, bowl. yeah. How yeah. do you choke a yeah,
2: bowl out? The neck is all muscle, man.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, yeah,
1: you're just hanging on, squeezing, and it's just like, <laughs> okay, you can let go now.
0: It's so, like, are these like w- like limp noodles around my neck? What's going on? <laughs> it's
1: like, like when a kid like sits on your foot and wraps some silver on your leg, and yeah. you can't get off. You're just like, get off me.
3: Hey,
0: so the bestiary usually won. Um, but sometimes a bull would gore a person, or one of the dangerous animals would tear apart the huntsman. Um, you you know, know, and another echo we see of this is, you know, obviously bullfighting, which yeah. we'll talk we'll talk a little more about that towards the end. But you know, again, we're picking out these little echoes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Mehar points out that even when a bestiary won a match, if they performed poorly or not to the audience's liking, they would often jeer the fighter, and he would have to go back out to fight again, fatigued and weaker this always increased the likelihood of death. You know, it's like they're uh, so worn out and exhausted from fighting these animals, and then if they, like, didn't perform well enough, they'd be like,
2: "I get back out there.
0: And, you know, (laughs) it's it's like usually you die. You know, get killed because you just don't have the same stamina that you came out with.
2: I'm going to need you to go back out
0: there. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, you know, just you're not pulling those numbers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The worst sales job ever.
0: Oh, I know, right? So after all the morning bloodshed, comes the lunchtime interval the public executions now these were almost like a halftime show and you know many left to go get food or drink and they'd (laughs) come back when the gladiator fights began
1: i'm picturing big gulps
0: (laughs) but you know many did stay to watch the afternoon executions
2: I mean, we we all came. You might as well stay and watch. Yeah,
0: I'm going to lose my seat. (laughs) So the condemned were brought to the arena the night before to await their fates on the stage of horrors. Some, knowing what awaited them, decided to end it then and there. Seneca tells us a couple stories uh, about prisoners taking their own lives rather than face what lies ahead.
2: Lately, a gladiator who had been sent forth to the morning exhibition was being conveyed in a cart along with the other prisoners, "'Nodding as if he were heavy with sleep, "'he let his head fall over so far "'that it was caught in the spokes. "'Then he kept his body in position long enough "'to break his neck by the revolution of the wheel. "'So he made his escape by means of the very wagon "'which was carrying him to his punishment. "'There was lately in a training school "'for wild beast gladiators a German, "'who was making ready for the morning exhibition. "'He withdrew in order to relieve himself.' the only thing which he was allowed to do in secret and without the presence of a guard. While so engaged, he seized the stick of wood, tipped with a sponge, which was devoted to the vilest uses, and stuffed it, just as it was, down his throat. Thus he blocked up his windpipe and choked the breath from his body. This was truly to insult death. Yes, indeed, it was not a very elegant or becoming way to die— But what is more foolish than to be over nice about dying? What a brave fellow! God damn.
0: Yeah, so he took the shit stick, the wiping stick, and just shoved it down his fucking throat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can think of like a thousand other ways, but damn,
0: dude, yeah, yeah.
1: I think I'd rather beat my own head against a wall, right? But they wouldn't stop to death on a
2: shit stick. (laughs) I think that, that. Yeah, that's the only time. like, no, do this out there. It's part of the show now. (laughs) (laughs) The great stick shit sucking. I don't know what that was. (laughs) (laughs) It's the amazing shit stick boy. (laughs) Yes, thank you. That's where I was going with that. (laughs) Come on down. We have awnings. (laughs) (laughs) We have awnings.
0: Did we mention we have awnings? (laughs) So when it came time for the executions, the condemned were brought up to the arena and divided into two groups, Roman citizens... And non Roman citizens and slaves. Uh, the Roman citizens were executed first and usually quickly to give them some dignity. Um, it, it was usually like a beheading or killed by a sword or something. Um, but for Lame. the Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> pretty weak. But for the other group, the non citizens and slaves, there were usually three ways that you were executed crucifixion, burning alive, or death by wild animals.
2: Crucifixion seems kind of boring in comparison. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, dude, it's a fucking. That's a brutal. Way I guess to die. so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, but I mean, there's probably, not a
1: lot of action.
0: Yeah, probably boring to watch. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's still fucking. But like, one of the most horrible ways to that's die, for true. Sure. Yeah. You know, Ugh. and though these were sadistic, um, they also served the purpose of displaying the power of the state, of course, and being humiliated before dying was a big part of the sentence. Um, you know, these people had crossed the Roman state, and they would pay dearly for their transgression. So, citizens didn't always have an easier death. Um, It always kind of depended on your crime. Uh, Mayar tells us of one interesting way that citizens might be executed.
2: Two condemned men may be sent into the arena together, one armed with a sword, the other unarmed, and dressed only in a loincloth. Naturally enough, the unarmed man runs away. The man with the sword pursues him and eventually stabs him to death. Once he has accomplished this, he is forced to surrender his sword. Then he, in turn, is chased and killed by another prisoner. This goes on until only one man is left, and he is killed by a venator or a bestiaries.
0: Just like stab tag. <laughs> it's just... Yeah,
2: like
1: there's no way out of this. <laughs> You're
2: play along.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really. It's just like probably fucking stick whatever. Stick my head
1: in some spokes too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. yeah.
0: You look. Yeah, you kind of. As we'll see more of what they did, it's like that was probably the best thing you could do. You know, they they knew what was going to be in store.
2: The shit stick doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, man,
1: it's like the shit end of the stick was actually the one you wanted in this scenario.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I (laughs)
1: wonder if that's where it came from.
0: Lucky he got the shit end of the stick. (laughs) 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 So the execution of non-citizens and slaves were the highlight of the lunchtime show. Um, On a marble relief found in Smyrna... It shows a procession of slaves uh, led by ropes attached to collars on their necks. So it's kind of like a line, you know, like Mm -hmm. a rope line. And uh, once they were in place around the arena, they would let loose wild animals just to tear them apart. Jesus. Yeah. So I think the most famous people that were executed in the arena were Christians. The Roman historian Tacitus gives us a sample of what Emperor Nero did to punish Christians when he accused them of starting the Great Fire of Rome in 64 AD.
2: Mockery of every sort was added to their deaths. Covered with the skins of beasts, they were torn by dogs and perished, or were nailed to crosses, or were doomed to flames and burnt, to serve as a nightly illumination when daylight had expired.
0: They're always so poetic about it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Human torch Yeah,
3: <laughs>
0: yeah as an early marvel, you know. Like <laughs> <laughs>
2: what a superhero.
0: <laughs> so, so, some of the most detailed accounts we have of these executions came from Christians. This
1: is going to go some great Jesus fanfic, guys. Oh, I know.
2: <laughs> Jesus pasta. <coughs> Could
1: it be Jesus pasta? Yes. W- welcome to our new podcast, Jeezy Jesus pasta. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, you know, the Christians, they just would not recognize the emperor as a living god. And so they were sentenced to death for their insolence. When Christianity began to expand, the idea of martyrdom became an appealing idea. So many would actually try to get executed so they could get to martyr status. What's more holy than a martyr? You know, like, I want to get into heaven, so this is like the fast track. You know, all I got to do is just get executed.
2: You know, kid, you want to be a martyr? (laughs) <laughs> fastest way to heaven
0: <laughs> yeah basically it's like some coach like you got it this first
2: army <laughs> recruitment speech <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean you know this became such a problem that one emperor i can't i can't remember who but he said that uh, he would no longer execute people for being christians unless they had committed a crime because you know since most of them wanted to be executed he's basically like you know, if they really want to die, they can do it by their own hands and not by the Roman states. And
1: way to take it back, Christians. Right? Yeah. Way to take it
2: back. Romans are contrarians to the max. Yeah, Holy mean, shit. Just... Oh, you like that? You like that? <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing it anymore.
0: Oh, whip me harder. Uh, (laughs) So Ignatius of Antioch was one of these martyrs, and he wrote around the end of the first century, beginning of the second century A.D., but he wrote about his impending death in Letter to Romans. Chapter 5, verse 3.
2: Do not let any visible or invisible being try to stop me going to Jesus Christ out of jealousy. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You're you're committed to that voice
2: now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Fire and crucifixion, packs of wild animals, slashing, tearing, ripping me into pieces, splintering bones, dislocating limbs, crushing my whole body.
0: Hallelujah. (laughs)
2: Let me suffer the worst torments of the devil, so long as I may go to Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's... It's oh, optimism, you know, it's like a very sunny outlook on life.
1: It yes. you know, almost sounded like he was going to break into that brave Sir Robin's
0: song. <laughs> <laughs> His whole trip down to <laughs> Yeah, <exactly. laughs> I love that song. I do so too. But... <laughs> so, historian Dr. Andrew Wallace Hadrill mentioned that some of these animals were so weak from starvation and beatings. And, you know, all these things that sometimes people would be horribly mauled for hours, but never finished off by these weakened animals. Oh, my God. So it's basically just kind of like played with.
2: You can't see me, just... but I'm listlessly chewing my hand. Nomsies.
1: <laughs> Nomsies.
0: <laughs> so one, uh, one chronicler wrote about a martyr who had to, like, pull the lion towards him to get it to kill him or at least to, like, catch its interest. <laughs> So
1: I'll <laughs> gotta get to Jesus.
0: <laughs> Just like opens his mouth. Like
2: moves his jaws.
0: You're
1: good. You're not like the sixtieth Christian I've eaten today or anything.
2: <laughs> that?
0: That? I could eat another boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when it got less fun, when the Christians started getting stoked about being executed, you know, the Romans, they decided to spice it up, you know, just, they can't let them have that one. You know? No. So, you know, maybe they would crucify you and then set you on fire. Or maybe they would tie you to a stake and unleash animals, you know, to come and rip you apart. You know, the, you can find crazy mosaic mosaics and frescoes and even some terracotta figures depicting these scenes. Um if you just search online you'll be able to find them. I mean they're they're pretty brutal. Whoa. Yeah, it's crazy. All right,
2: well. There goes my afternoon.
0: There's one where it's mm-hmm. like uh, it's like this mosaic where this guy's tied up and there's these two like leopards and one's just like latched onto his fucking <clears throat> face. It's
3: fucking cool. Whoa. Yeah, it's
0: crazy. <laughs> so, um there is an interesting story told that during one of the gladiatorial games that Caligula put on uh, they ran out of prisoners to throw to the wild animals, Aww. so he picked out a section of the audience and he threw them into the oh. arena to be attacked and mauled. <laughs> oh no! Oh
2: no! That was a bad uh, yeah, day. Yeah, oh. you like you like this, huh?
0: Yeah, you like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, come
2: like on
3: down. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
0: But you know, if you didn't think if you didn't think things could get any weirder, uh, they do. Oh, great. So, one of the strangest ways that they would execute the condemned was what K.M. Coleman, a professor of classics, coined as the Fatal Charades. To kind of perk up the afternoon executions, uh, they were getting kind of boring. They would put on these plays that starred the condemned. So, they would usually be plays of famous myths where the lead character died at the end, actually <laughs> killing the condemned in the in character. It's great. Yeah, it's, dude, this, this is like one of the craziest things <laughs> I've heard.
1: Break a leg. Break a leg.
3: (laughs) So you know Extreme method
0: acting. (laughs) Yeah, real. real. (laughs) This is the role of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So this worked to keep the audience's attention longer, as now the execution was accompanied by a popular narrative, you know, while still carrying out the execution. So two birds with one stone.
3: Nice.
0: So, you know, they would put on some of the hits of the day, like the execution of Orpheus, where instead of being tied to a rock and torn apart by Madden Thracian women. Uh, They used wild animals. For the story of Daedalus, uh, they put wings on the condemned, uh, stuck him in a cage, and then lowered him into the arena to be mauled by a bear. In some kind of strange reimagining of the myth, because that's not in the myth at all. No,
1: it's pretty creative. (laughs) Now that does sound like WWE plots.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you ready for the cage match? (laughs)
1: Right, and the guy's just sitting there, and then oh, the, the light yeah. comes down, and the bear enters. He's like,
0: <laughs> Kid Rock's
1: playing. He's wearing <laughs> he's wearing a giant gold belt. You know he yeah. is. You're the bear. To I mean, take the belt from me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so,
0: Marshall writes about one play where the condemned played a villain who had been condemned and executed in Rome. Uh, Loriolis was executed in a particularly memorable way. And they would reenact the execution, like his specific execution, um, but do in different ways and usually like tied in with a Greek myth. So at the inaugural games of the Flavian Amphitheater in 81 AD, or what we know as the Colosseum, they chose the myth of Prometheus. And here is Marshall's account.
2: Just as Prometheus, chained to a rock, feeds a bird with the plentiful flesh of his breast, so did L'Oriolus, nailed to a cross, no longer mere decor, but the living truth. Offer a Scottish bear his stomach, his body became a bloody heap of tatters. Living, yes, but no longer human. His punishment was just. The main villain had cut the throat of his lord or overlord, or reached out his desecrating hands for ancient temple gold, or abandoned, you Rome, to cruel flames. His deed put all myths in the shade, and his punishment as well. An old story come true.
0: Yeah, so it's basically like they would reenact that role with many people. So, you know, when he's saying like, you know, the main villain cut the throat of his lord or desecrated the temple. You know, it's like each actor had a different crime, but they're always personifying this one execution and figure and character.
2: Oh, I see.
1: Sounds like a little like a Benedict Arnold, you know, yeah. like basically you you like any criminal <clears throat> or like any traitor is like called a, a Benedict Arnold.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, right. When, like, yeah.
1: they're taking this criminal and they're like, Oh, it's a L'Orealist. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess
0: sorta, yeah. Kinda very much the same thing. Um Yeah, that's funny, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's it's very similar yeah. idea. That's
3: why I'm here. Yeah, it's like
0: <laughs> the it's almost like this constant traitor that you know always you know, we always have to execute this traitor. You know, because they're, they're they're you never get rid of them. Can't stamp them out. You have to root them, unroot them like a like a bush. <laughs> I was like, think of a plant, think of a plant, bush.
1: You sound like every old man I've ever heard talk about communism. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: Where did this hammer and sickle come from? Oh my god. <laughs> so one of the most fucked up stories I've heard of um, has a bit of a twist to it. And I wanted to find uh, an actual text, like primary source text, but Mayer does a great job of laying it out, so we'll just kind of let Mayer take it.
2: Another story that Marshall claims was acted out in the arena was that of Pasiphae and the bull. Minus, the king of Crete, was given a bull as a gift by the god Poseidon. When he added it to his herds rather than sacrificing it, Poseidon set Minas' wife ablaze with a love for the animal. Harsh. <laughs> To satisfy her lusts, she arranged to conceal herself in a cunning replica of a heifer. The bull reciprocated her love, which resulted in the birth of the minotaur, half man, half bull. In the arena, a woman prisoner would be draped with a cowhide and her vagina smeared with blood from a cow in heat. Marshall does not provide any details of this violent coupling, but we can assume that the women would have been horribly degraded and badly maimed before she was brutally put to death. Dude. Yikes. Yes.
0: Yeah. And dude, imagine that in front of End like End of Clerks 2 did not prepare me for this. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, imagine that in front of tens of thousands of people. I mean, again, it's you know, like when they're executing you, humiliation is the goal.
2: That's the worst one, man. Y-
0: yeah, it is really the worst. Like I it just that blows my mind. You know, yeah. just crazy. I think
2: dude. I'd rather be eaten.
0: Yeah. Yeah, honestly. I mean, because they're going to get executed anyway, you know. So it's like fucking.
2: Holy fucking shit.
0: Yeah, dude, it's rough. So, you know, and and there are some more interesting stories in Mayar's book. Um, some funny stories about animals not cooperating and stuff like that. And <laughs> kind of funny anecdotes. Um, but yeah, so we'll move on. So after the executions, we finally get to the afternoon festivities and the main event, the gladiatorial fights.
2: Yay.
0: So, honestly, the executions are the more fun part for me. But, you know, it's just fucking – it's just, like, it's basically just, like, unbridled sadism. Yeah, like, know? what
2: is the okay. worst fucking thing we can think it of? It is, really. But with an artistic twist. Yeah,
0: and we. I didn't even go over all of them. I mean, like, there are probably crazy instances of maybe trying something and it just didn't work. Or, you know, it's yeah. just, like, you think of, like – just. yeah, it is exactly how, like – Fucked up, can we be? It's like, you know, you know
1: those dudes. Uh, what's his face? His brothers, friends from Step, from Step Brothers. Yeah,
3: like the, uh, the Catalina guys? wine. <laughs> that, that
1: those motherfuckers. Like you gave them a bunch of cocaine and sat them in a room and were like, "Come up with a circus." <laughs> <laughs> this is what they <laughs> came up
0: with. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Here's what we're gonna do. And then, this is what I'm picturing. And then this is what just, I'm we're gonna should. let the animals out.
1: <laughs> Need leopard on leopard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So uh, the gladiator fights were what everyone came to see most of the time. Uh, people knew ahead of time what fighters would be present and what matches would be set. Um, you know, as they would come before the public a few days later, you know, they'd, they'd be like, you know, the is fighting, you know, Spot, and, you know, and stuff like that. So it, it would kind of show them, show them off, I guess. Right. So there was a few different kinds of gladiators, sort of like weight classes, I guess. Um, I I've been mean, oh, God, okay. So there were the Thrakes. The Mermillos, the Retiarius. I think so. Hoplomachus, Secutors, and Provocators. Oh god. I need to get better at this. <laughs> <laughs> Me so,
2: too, brother. Anyway,
0: they were they were basically just like they had different armor, weapons and shields, and you know, and obviously they would be like popular pairings. Um, for instance, a Mermillo, which was like a gladiator with a big, long shield, would often fight a Rediarius, uh, which was like a gladiator with a trident and a net. Hmm. Um, so I guess these kinds of pairings were just popular. I was um, picturing a
1: mermaid <laughs> gladiator. Yeah. It's ruined my fantasy.
0: <laughs> so before the fights, a procession would march through the arena, kind of like a pre-game parade of important officials, the organizers of the games, and then the gladiators themselves. Uh, The procession would then disappear below the arena. Gladiators and pairs would then be sent up into the arena and they would mock fight with wooden weapons, Um, you know, kind of like their training gear. Uh, This would sort of warm them up and then kind of warm up the audience as well, you know, kind of like a little taste of what's to come. Um, And then they would bring the real weapons, sharpened, tested and deadly. Uh, Things like short swords, spears, tridents, long curved swords, nets. I mean, all kinds of crazy weapons. Um, and we, we have to imagine that all this is done in front of the audience and they are getting like, their dicks are getting super hard, you, yeah. know, or, you know, they're just like slowly like polishing a sword, you know, very phallic. You know. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> There's
1: a crowd full of Dexters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the idea is, you know, it's, it's all a show. I mean, it's, it's everything. Even the death is, is a show, you know, it has to have a lot of showmanship. Yeah. Um, You know, in which... Which, when they did start, uh, the people just unleashed all that pent-up anticipation. Um, you know, we also have to keep in mind that this wasn't just a spectator sport. The audience had a very real involvement in the games, particularly the outcomes. It often gives the downtrodden or the struggling masses a, a voice and a sense of power when they usually didn't have one. So, you know, it's that I mean, that was just why there's so much, you know, fervent like excitement about the games and like they're so vocal you know because it's just this one chance where like my voice matters out of all these you know millions of voices yeah or i mean i guess thousands
2: Foaming at the mouth
0: (laughs) so yeah i mean it's almost like a fever pitch you know yeah you can imagine just like the energy must have just been like scary (laughs) yeah so the fighters were matched together based on their talents and whether they are a good match or not uh, the idea is to have them perform an entertaining fight. It can't just be two dudes trying to kill each other. There has to be, you know, they have to use some moves and tricks. Yeah, just go to and... a dive
1: bar if I want to see that. It's flair. <laughs> you know,
0: it's like it's they had to fight with flair or the audience is going to lose interest, you know. Yeah. So the two men would practice before the match. Let's just say like two would be facing off. So they practice before the match and they kind of get to know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And they often knew each other well from their time together from practicing. So it's...
3: Kind of like, yeah,
0: you have to, one of you might have to kill the other. You know, it's like, I know this guy, you know, we go out drinking or whatever. Yeah. So they needed to fight well if they had a chance of winning, not just against their opponent, but winning the favor of the crowd. You know, if a gladiator fought cowardly, uh, the audience would often voice their disgust and urge death. Seneca, a Roman philosopher who we mentioned earlier from the first century, he writes about a game during the reign of Caligula where the crowd uh, intervenes into the outcome.
2: Mm. The men had nothing with which to protect themselves, for their whole bodies were open to the thrust, and every thrust told. The common people prefer this to matches on level terms or request performances. Of course they do. The blade is not parried by helmet or shield, and what use is skill or defense? All these merely postpone death. In the morning, men are thrown to bears or lions, at midday to those who were previously watching them. The crowd cries for the killers to be paired with those who will kill them, and reserves the victor for yet another death. This is the only release the gladiators have. The whole business needs fire and steel to urge men on to fight. There was no escape for them. The slayer was kept fighting until he could be slain. Kill him! Flog him! Bury him alive! The spectators roar. Why is he such a coward? Why won't he rush on the steel? Why does he fall so meekly? Why won't he die willingly?
0: So Seneca actually did not like these games um, and things like this. He, you know, especially where it was like um, somebody, like maybe an armed person slaughtering an unarmed person, you know, it's like kind of more in the executions. He just thought that was like super fucked up. He did not like it. He didn't like what the games did to people and stuff like that. He, you know, he yeah, he wrote a lot about not not liking them at all. And a few Roman um, elites didn't like it. Like, Cicero didn't really like it. He liked the idea of gladiators, what they represented, but he didn't like the barbarity of the games.
2: That boy had some sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, some did, but most people, like, loved it. Yeah, so. of course. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of crazy because, you know, when he says um, the whole business needs fire and steel to urge men on to fight, um, they would, like, heat up, like, steel plates or, like, pokers, and, like, and they would... If anybody tried to run or, like, you know, get out, they'd, like, push them, you know, basically urging them to fight. Yeah, it's...
2: Goodness gracious. So you really didn't have a choice, you know, like,
0: ever. So, you know, we don't know much about the rules or how long these fights would even last. Um, You know, we must assume that everyone knew what was legal and what was not. Or (laughs) it may have just been, you know, at what the audience deemed as honorable or dishonorable. I mean, I think at the end of the day, kind of the audience made the rules, you know, as sort of this collective, like...
2: Well, why the fuck not? Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's
0: kind of like the same thing with, like, sports things today where it's like, you know, he was out of bounds. No, he wasn't out of bounds. It, it was probably <laughs> a very similar thing where everybody kind of knows the rules, but, everybody you know, people kind of, like, argue yeah. about it or, you know, back and forth about it.
1: Yeah, there's uh, that. I think it's um, one of the first few episodes of Star Trek Next Generation where they, or Q tries to get them to answer for the crimes of humanity. And he takes him back in time to what's our future, but their past, and it's like it's kind of like the gladiatorial games in that way, where your your trial is determined without mercy by a by a crowd that's been that's been really revved up to want you dead.
0: Yeah, or I mean, so you know,
1: think of it as something as a, in the past, but
0: yeah, no, it is really. I mean, in sometimes it, sometimes it wouldn't be them wanting to you know wanting them to die. Sometimes they really liked them. You know, I mean, well, like, again, the gladiators were kind of heroes. Like, like
2: MMA fighters or boxers. Yeah.
0: But of course you would have the one that you favored or maybe the kind of gladiator yeah. that you favored. And then another one you'd be like, you know, like, well, I want the Merle Millo to win. You know, like, right. I- I'm a Merle Millo man. <laughs>
3: Merle Millo <laughs> man. Merle Millo man.
0: So, I mean, these, but these fights could go on for a long time if no one could gain the upper hand. And if they got exhausted, they would take a break before resuming the fight again. Um, if there was no clear winner after some time, a referee would stop them, turn to the crowd and emperor, and ask of them a verdict. Uh, whoever fought the best was sent away standing, as they said. Uh, and there was, there was normally a winner, though, uh, one way or the other. It was very rare that they would have, like, a, a tie. Ooh. So a losing fighter could capitulate and try to win mercy. Uh, the winning fighter would then turn to the emperor and usually the emperor would ask the crowd. I mean, and this is the instant where the crowd, like, is telling the emperor what they want. And the emperor generally does what they yeah. ask, you know. Um, it was just like, it must have been, like, ecstasy of power after always being powerless, you know. Right. You know, and it's obviously it's just a rare thing in, 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 in an imperial system where you get to tell the emperor, who's a living god, by the way, you know, <laughs> what you want. But sometimes the emperor would go against the wishes of the crowd, and, you know, they would protest and be pissed, but he is still the emperor. There is a story of one spectator that got a little too mouthy with Emperor Domitian, and Mayer (laughs) recounts it as such.
2: One day, Domitian took his autonomy one step further. A fight between a Thrakes and a Murmillo had just ended. The Murmillo had been defeated, but the people decided he should be allowed to leave the arena with his honor intact. Domitian, who, as everyone knew, was no admirer of the Thraces, refused to listen to the people's appeal for mercy for the loser. When one spectator commented that a Thrax could stand up to a Murillo, but not to the sponsor of the games, the emperor had him dragged from his seat and thrown to the dogs in the arena with a board around his neck saying, A friend of Thraces, guilt of least majesty.
0: Yeah, so it was kind of like, you had, you had some power, but... Man, you know, that's sports
1: were bad now. Yeah, really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so gladiators were, for the most part, trained to die well and with honor. I mean, it's it's all about honor and glory. Right. If one fighter pleading for mercy was denied by the crowd and the emperor, uh, the fighter would grasp the leg or torso of the victor and he would bow down. Uh, they would keep their helmet on so the victor didn't have to look them in the eyes when they received the iron. Where the victor would then thrust a sword into the loser's neck or between the shoulder blades. Oh, jeez. And it's funny, I was um I was watching the that Gladiators thing, the Terry Jones documentary. Uh-huh. And they were talking about, you know, the really famous like thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. So that was actually a choice that the movie studio made when they were first making like Roman movies. Right. Because in the uh historical accounts, they say pressing the thumb. You know, what does that mean? Does that mean pressing down? Does that mean pressing out? Right. You know, yeah, so it's not really sure. So it's actually what we know of as the thumbs up, thumbs down was actually a decision made by a movie studio. The studio. Yeah. And like how just. But I mean, you know, I would say that would probably, that's probably accurate. You know, I mean, like.
3: I
1: yeah. remember hearing something before about how it was that, but it was reversed, like, yeah up meant something else, mm-hmm. and down like, meant like something kill, else. Like,
0: kill, kill, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you're good. Yeah,
1: You're good to <laughs> kill him. No, don't kill him.
0: <laughs> so, you know, if a gladiator died nobly and with honor, uh, they would be sent off with some respect, you know, of course, because they are kind of heroes.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so they're carried off, they're stripped of the armor and weapons, and then they cut the body's throat uh, just to make sure the fighter is dead, not trying to fake it to escape. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, this was seen as better than what they did with those who died from executions. Um, you know, when they died, uh, they just cleared them off the field with large hooks and piled them up. You know, God knows where. Jesus. Yeah. Crazy. Right? You're seeing that, too. Like people being carried off the bat, like the arena floor, like with hooks. Put them on the pile. Yeah. Yeah. Basically put them on the pile. Like, Jesus. you know, we'll probably throw it in the river or something. <laughs> so
1: what were their like uh, like burial rites?
0: Um, Did they really
1: give a shit about this? Yeah, like that? no, it
0: was it, yeah, I really cared. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's well, for one instance, there's a story. Um, Sulla uh, really hated this guy named um, God. What was his name? Um, anyway, he he hated this dude. I can't remember. Um, and when the dude died a couple years later, he had some people break into the guy's tomb and steal his bones, and then basically break them apart and scatter them in the Tiber um and that's like seen as a
1: like a uh like a leonard skinner neil young type yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean
0: but that scene is like a huge offense you know like it's not what only humiliating conflict. it's like trying to erase this person's body from history well
1: i meant like those that died in the arena like did they particularly care oh, for any of
3: their burial no, rights
0: no i mean unless you're a gladiator who like had some honor and glory i'm sure i mean if you're just an executed you know prisoner or something, they it probably couldn't give less of a shit about your body yeah i mean
1: like the gladiators
0: yeah gladiators uh yeah they gave them you know they they had tombs and stuff um some of them had epitaphs as well That would be like you know i was i i fell you know to this great person or sometimes it'd be like like this person fought and killed me cowardly like and they would give the person's name and be like kill him if you see him <laughs> you know it's just like damn dude all right
1: This is the grave of McStabby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the winner of the fight would usually come before the emperor and he'd be given uh, the olive branch and some winning money uh, and then leave to fight another day, basically. Um, And there are plenty of mosaics, frescoes, reliefs and statues that show scenes from these gladiator fights. Um, You can search for them and, you know, you can just kind of get a feel of how contemporary artists at the time depicted these scenes. Um, you know, there are other wild stories about the games like mock battles and even mock sea battles where they would fill up a man-made lake with water and basically reenact famous battles from act- with actual boats.
2: It's like Las Vegas style. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, you know, they would have been the height of theatrics and scale. I mean, the scale must have been immense.
1: Yeah. Like Cirque du Soleil gone terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, one of the biggest of these was put on by uh, Emperor Claudius in 52 AD, and it said that there were 19,000 oarsmen and soldiers that fought on full-size uh, triremes and quadremes, which is kind of like these like Greek-Roman ships, you know. Right. Um, you know, all the oarsmen and soldiers were condemned prisoners, and they were forced to really battle. Like, for entertainment, Goodness. basically. Yeah. So, um, I guess pretty much what or I got for gladiators. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, obviously, you can look up a lot about the gladiators and stuff like that. There's a ton. And there's a lot of cool stories. So I would definitely recommend uh, looking into it. Yeah. But um, now we'll get to the end of the games. So, I'm going to kind of yada yada through this a little bit. Wait, um, I want yeah. to ask
1: something earlier. Did they have their version of rodeo clowns?
0: Um, like like I'm people sure. meant to distract. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think de- definitely with the like bestiaries and stuff. I bet in like the venators. I bet they were like kind of acted as as both. You know,
1: the bestiaries. Bestiaries. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like their version of a rodeo. Contest.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like the yeah, like the people that corral and you know do all that stuff. Like I
2: mean... beef supreme. <laughs> <laughs> So,
0: yeah, like I said, I'm going to kind of agree now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of yada yada through this because it's just kind of I mean, really, we could just chalk it up to Christianity for the most part. <laughs> and the games began to get really expensive as well. Um, and and cer- certain animals got hard to find. And then Constantine happened. <laughs> so once Christianity became the state religion, things changed quite a bit the games were always seen as sinful and wrong in the eyes of the Christian, you know, because a lot of them got killed. <laughs> they
1: secretly loved it because it made them famous for Jesus. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, and as as Christianity grabbed more of a hold on the Roman Empire, uh, the games slowly kind of began phasing out. The Christians would bring back that kind of brutality, but now it's sort of in like, Torture and execution for criminals and the wicked, you know, in- inquisition shit.
3: Yeah, that comes
2: to mind.
0: <laughs> it was done in cellars now and not in the out in the open. <laughs> Sometimes out in the open.
2: In private rooms. <laughs> we're not barbarians.
0: Bar- <laughs> so the barbarians. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's, you know, it's, it's good to note that towards the latter half or, you know, towards the end of the Western Roman Empire, um, there were some barbarian kings who took over and actually crowned themselves emperors of Rome. Um, and they were a little different. They didn't quite have the bloodlust um, that the Romans had. And they really saw no reason to hold these public executions and death games for entertainment after a while.
1: So the name barbarian became ironic. Uh,
0: it's just what they called everyone who wasn't a Roman. Like ev- yeah. anyone who wasn't a Roman, you were a barbarian. But we generally associate them with the European um, tribes and clans and, right. stuff like that, and the European people. Um, Germanics. Um,
1: That's interesting. The um, North African Berbers, Berber comes from barbarian.
0: Oh, okay. Ah. Yeah. Oh, actually, they had a, They, you know, Rome had a but lot. But they weren't
1: Romans, So, yeah, it makes
0: sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and Rome took over, uh, you know, a lot of North Africa, too. You know, had a lot of territory over there. Mm-hmm. So it could be said that the Romans, who always tried to show themselves superior to the barbarians, were more barbaric than them when it came to the senselessness of the Roman need for violence. The Vandals, for instance, turned one of the amphitheaters into a military encampment or housing for soldiers. You know, kind of like saying, like, this is over here. Uh, you know, they saw no need for these arenas of death anymore. And by the mid-4th century AD, the games had pretty much ceased. You know, they happened here and there, but they were, I mean, it was yeah. not, nothing like the former days. They're like, bro, what are you doing? Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, the games, they slowly faded away and then the Western Empire fell. But we see remnants of them around, you know, like of the gladiator games and all the other games. Mm-hmm. Um, Bullfighting, for instance, is still practiced in Spain and in the town of uh, Nimes, <laughs> there is a Roman arena where they still hold the fights Um, within that old Roman arena and they still watch wow. them and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, much like the bestiaries fighting bulls one-on-one, Um, you know, we see that small glimpse into the past. And people even, you know, if like, one of the matadors is cowardly. Like the audience turns on them, you know. Like they like Goodness. are basically dishonored, and you know the career could be over by being too cowardly. Right. So I mean, that's like you kind of almost get to see like what it must have been like on like a on like a very small scale, you know. Well, that's why
2: I'm never going to that. <laughs> you mean they still have the games, like like the bullfighting, like like, like the the they bulls. slaughter animals.
0: I mean, they kill the bulls yeah. in bullfighting. That's kind of like the point, you know. Like you have to gracefully in, outmaneuver and outmaneuver and slay the bull. I mean, the bull would be like obviously used for food, but
1: yeah, no, but like they just don't get up to the same shenanigans. No, no, no
0: but it's yeah, but it's like a ghost, you know. Like and I just it's it's like being in the arena, like doing like the bullfight basically, which is kind of similar. And then like also having the people kind of have the same fervor and energy and almost have like a say in what happens to the performer. It's it just like it's really a lot like. Um, What we could imagine it to be like, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like looking at, um, you know, primitive, not primitive, but, you know, like um, people who live, you know, away from civilization stuff like the tribes. And so, you know, it's like they hold on to this old thing, this old ideal. Right. And, you know, so if you look at them, you can kind of so you can kind of see like, you know, what was what was um, ancient warfare like? What was this like? You know, you kind of get these little glimpses of the past through these. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
1: it's called ethnographic study.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, we can look back and say, "What the fuck is happening? Like, what happened? How were these humans? Or how are humans ever so sadistic as a race?" I mean, mm. that's what I—I'm always interested in. Like, you we're know. not
1: now. Like, somehow we changed.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just like, man. But shit on that scale is like, yeah, like, crazy. You know. <sighs>
1: going on in Syria
0: right now? I mean crazy shit like public executions and stuff, but I mean like
3: I don't know. I man. mean we
1: we just have bigger means to do the same things, you know, like instead of throwing a thousand tigers at somebody, we're gonna shell them.
0: No, sure. I, I mean no, it's still like murder and so I mean wars obviously, you know.
1: Yeah, I thought the weapons thing was interesting. Was almost like weapons worship.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, that's like a pretty ancient idea. You know, it's like the sword or like your weapon is almost an extension of the warrior. You know, yeah. it almost has kind of like a personality in a way. You know, you, you'll, you'll see that a lot. You know, obviously King Arthur's. But the... This is my sword. There are many like it, but this one. Yeah. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see that, you know, all throughout ancient writings and stuff like that. It's, yeah. a, it's a kind of a literary trope.
1: I mean, I've noticed people like just, you know, American, some Americans and their guns seem a little worshipy. Of the guns. But it's interesting to know that this has been a really ongoing thing, like mm-hmm. weapons worship, yeah. or at least borderline worship has been a thing for a really long time.
0: Yeah. I mean, and when we're asking about, you know, why, how did the Romans get that way? Um, You know, what drove them to kind of love all that blood and, and you know, violence? Um, They didn't see it as anything wrong, Um. You know, as far as they were concerned, they were killing slaves and prisoners of war and criminals and Christians. You know, anyone who had threatened to upset the Roman order, um, no matter how minutely, you know, it's it's you are crossing Rome. And so these people were dangerous and it was good to kill them. And, you know, it was good to kill the things that were malevolent to Rome. And it's good to punish the wicked and to watch it, you know, as we'll learn with the Christians later.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but the other ad- Sorry,
1: they um that area during this time would have had uh like the ancient Indo-European inf- like influence, right? Yeah. So
0: mm-hmm. they, they
1: worshipped an ancient warrior god and it would made sense that they would have been like, "Oh, let's just rev this up."
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um Yeah, I mean, the attitudes towards violence in these games, they did a lot of things. They they served a lot of functions that we don't necessarily think about. You know, these games were they were lessons in life, of virtues, on how to die well. It brought the community together, um, showed how to bring glory to Rome, and it really enforced all these values into uh, societal norms. They wouldn't have worried about what these games were doing to their youth or anything because these were seen as virtues to aspire to, especially with the gladiators. We see this not only in these games, but in the literature and stories. The heroes like Odysseus and Achilles and Homer were similar to that of Aeneas or Romulus. They were imbued with the highest societal virtues that represent, the greatest or best qualities of a society. And that is what I have for the Roman Glinda. Uh. And that yes. is and that is what I have for the Roman gladiatorial games.
2: Glitter. Yeah, very nice, very nice.
0: Oh thank you. Yeah, it's um I mean everybody knows about it. Obviously we have all the movies and stuff like that, but yes. it's still wild.
2: It is. I, mean, I you, mean you you know that it existed, but you don't necessarily think about how brutal and horrible it was it's just kind of i mean to me in my mind it's like oh gladiators that's fun and actually um my high school football and sports teams were called the gladiators yeah, yeah you mentioned like, that last episode yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like Fuck, maybe you guys should rethink this like.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, <sighs> it'd
1: be funny if your high school just really went with it and they're like, "No, now all of you must fight to the death to graduate. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of you
0: graduates." Yeah, I mean, Terry Jones, he makes an interesting point that, you know, the Romans saw the world that surrounded them, uh, it was a savage one that must be tamed. You know, the gladiatorial games, the events in these amphitheaters, they they're always a symbolic display, um, you know, of Rome surrounding the savage world and controlling it. Right. Um, you know, always it,
1: nice to see the bleed through of history from ancient Rome.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: we still
0: <laughs> up to this shit. Still doing it. Man, we're still doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, uh, God, I'm trying to think of this thing that oh yeah, Terry Jones. So he asked this question, you know, should we admire the greatness of Rome as we did for hundreds of years and even today? Or should we really be thanking those who destroyed it—the so-called barbarians?
2: Yep, that one. Yep. <laughs> that yeah. one yeah, for sure.
0: I love Terry Jones. And he's so
2: great. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to watch that. It sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, actually,
0: there's a bunch of cool Terry Jones stuff you can find on YouTube. Um, okay. He has a really good uh, medieval lives. Is really cool. It's just like each episode is this different life of a of like a medieval. Oh, that's you know, cool. Character, like a peasant, musician. Yes. This, yeah, really fun, really cool. Love that so stuff. So definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess any last-minute thoughts, questions? Um,
2: well, we just uh, we got our social media shit together. Oh, that's right, we did. Yeah, so we now have an official Facebook page. Go and follow us. Woo! Under the Pendulum. And uh, we also got a Twitter. It is Pendulum underscore pod. And our Instagram.
0: Is uh, under Pendulum. Or, sorry, i think it's a uh, i know my own i know <laughs> <the> own <Instagram. laughs>
2: well well, certainly but i think it's under links. the pendulum podcast yeah,
0: yeah i think it's under the pendulum podcast or it's under pendulum mm-hmm.
2: podcast okay uh, one of those two. i
0: kind of don't <laughs> care about social media so yeah i
2: i know we just have it because we have to but yeah, yeah. you know I'm gonna pawn it off on katie yeah, okay, <laughs> and of
0: course, also check us out on you know anywhere you want to listen to podcasts. You find us on SoundCloud under the Pendulum Podcast, uh, Podbean, find us on Spotify, iTunes.
2: Yep, any other podcatchers, I'm sure too.
0: Yeah, we'll be adding more, I'm sure. Yeah, um,
1: uh, and you can find me at Twitter at Fuck you and funny. You can also find me on Instagram uh, for my own podcast with our Dear Weber Network. Has it been named yet? Uh, It's starting small. The web work. The web. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, you can find me on there on Instagram at everyday underscore lies. And that'll be a new podcast coming out under their network. And um, there's no Facebook for that yet, but there will be at some point.
0: Yeah, it's okay. going to be, um, yeah, the show is just kind of basically about the everyday lies that we're told, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of awesome. disseminating those and picking out the truth. And yeah. So here <laughs> she got a really good episode coming out on the climate change.
2: Sweet. Okay. So,
0: yeah. 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 I, that.
1: I hope to go through some really fun. Some really... Like really weird topics, yeah. like we that I can't even believe is a thing, like flat Earth, you know. Yes. And then I'm also gonna go through like Republican Jesus is what I'm looking forward to, I'm, and a I'm couple very, other I'm, ones. I look forward to that one
0: too. That sounds pretty
2: <laughs> awesome, actually.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, join us for another episode, and we will see you next time.
2: Goodbye. Goodbye. Ah! Goodbye.